Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From Decrypt Media, this is the Decrypt Daily, and my name is Matthew Aaron. Today on the show, listener questions answered. Have you ever thought about owning your own Bitcoin ATM? Well, we're going to tell you how. And headlines. That's coming up today on the Decrypt Daily. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the show. Today is Friday, March 19th, 2021. And we're going to start today with listener questions. I wish I had some like theme music or something for this. Listener questions. Do, 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 do. I think I'm going to use this song. If I can remember it, I'm going to use it. So the first question today comes from Skip. And Skip wants to know the difference between Ethereum and Ethereum 2.0. So let's just talk about the issues Ethereum 2.0 needs to address. And that's why they're doing it. And the first is speed and scalability. Those are kind of go hand in hand. So when you talk about speed with blockchains, you're talking about TPS or transactions per second. Right now, Ethereum is around 15 transactions per second. Bitcoin's around seven. And something like Visa for a juxtaposition is around 24,000 transactions per second. You can see that there's a huge difference there. And that's why when you always hear Bitcoin is slow or Ethereum's slow and their gas fees are super high, that's what basically people are talking about, is that people are using Ethereum so much that people are trying to buy their way to the front of the line to get their transactions pushed through. I mean, juxtapose this with Visa. Visa's just doing a payment. You know, you can make payments with Ethereum as well, but Ethereum is used for so much more. And if it comes to NFTs, when it comes to DeFi, when it comes to payments, and so on and so forth. It is just a platform of anything that can be put into a ledger is going to be put on Ethereum. And so Ethereum 2.0 sets to tackle that. They want the Ethereum network to be able to handle anything that they throw at it. So they want to get it up to about 100,000 transactions per second because it might be used as payments, but also be used for DeFi and it also be used for NFTs and it also be used for ID. It might be also be used for all kinds of things. So that's where it has to be scalable. And scalability means that no matter what you throw at this network, it will be able to grow to be able to handle the load. So in a nutshell, Ethereum 2.0 aims to speed up the network as well as make it more scalable to be able to handle anything that's thrown at it. Another issue is to make it more efficient. Right now, Ethereum uses a proof of work system, a proof of work system of consensus and validation. So right now what happens with the proof of work system is you have a miner in your house and it does computations. It just processes computations and it does it by using a lot of energy. And Bitcoin does the same thing. This is why you see all these news articles about how much energy the Bitcoin network uses. I'm not even too sure how much the Ethereum network uses, but I bet it's quite a bit. Well, they want to make it more efficient. They want to turn it to a proof of stake system, which basically says people will stake their Ethereum and use their Ethereum as validators. There's a lot to unpack of how that works. But basically what they want to do is shift Ethereum from a proof of work system, which is inefficient and uses a lot of energy, to a proof of stake system that uses a lot less energy and is way more efficient. And finally, what they want to do with Ethereum 2.0 is introduce sharding. And sharding takes one block and breaks it up into multiple blocks. Basically, let's just say you have one huge block of information 
And it's a lot easier to deal with if you just kind of like chop it up into, I don't know, 20, 30, 100, 1,000 pieces. And everybody or every validator now gets just a little bitty piece of information. It's just easier to deal with. So what is Ethereum 2.0? It's aimed to make a faster, more scalable, and more efficient system by introducing proof of stake, increasing the speed or the TPS, and introducing sharding. This next question slash statement slash opinion piece comes from a listener that wants to give everybody a warning. It's from Larry, and Larry says, I'm somewhat new to crypto, and by a suggestion from a fellow Bitcoiner, I moved some of my Bitcoin into my MTI Mirror Trading International last October of 2020. I didn't put a fortune in, but at the time it was about $1,400 worth of Bitcoin. The idea was to get some interest and then move it over to Nexo. When I went to withdraw, it never moved. And then I started hearing from a South African friend that MTI was in the news. Through time, a recovery group was formed to go after the funds. I've been following this whole thing and I'd love to warn your listeners about my experience. It looks like I might get my coin back, but it will take some time. And a caveat to this is that the company is not located in the US, so it's extra tricky. Thank you, Larry, for sending this, and thank you for the warning, and I'm really sorry that you're going through all this. But this is the time for my two cents, and I can't stress this enough. Not your keys, not your coin. There's a lot of places that offer staking. Exchanges, like Binance.com, BlockFi, Celsius, Nexo, and I'm not saying that they're bad companies. I'm not saying anything about these companies, so everything I say from this point on is nothing about their company, nothing disparaging. It's just the truth. If it's not your keys, it's not your coin. Some of these interest rates are very promising, very tempting. I mean, from 6% to 12%, you can make great returns on your crypto. And so you might want to move your crypto over there. If it's Bitcoin, if it's a stable coin, if it's whatever, you can make great money by giving them your crypto and earning interest off of it. But that's where the problem lies. It's not your crypto at that point. You give it to them. And there's so many different variables that can come into play with your crypto there. It's not even that they're malicious. Of course, there are the scammers. Of course, there's people that are trying to rip you off. Of course, there are those people. But there's so many other variables that are very benign that just could happen. For example, a security breach, a hack. How do they store their crypto? Is it in a cold storage wallet? And how do they manage that cold storage wallet? Is it a USB in somebody's desk drawer in their office, their open plan office? What if regulations come down? I mean, regulations are still in a gray area. What if regulations come down and they say that this business model has to be looked at, examined. Stop doing this business until we figure it out. I mean, the slippery slope of your imagination of what can go wrong with this is infinite. It's not your coin. So if you want to earn interest off your crypto, these places are offering, like I said, anywhere from 6 to 12% on your crypto. But once they have your crypto, anything can happen. Also, on positive sides, there are companies that are very trusted in the space. For example, BlockFi uses Gemini as their custodian for their crypto. So Gemini is pretty trusted. BlockFi is working with regulators and so on and so forth. So it seems as though they're really trying to understand how to do this fairly and legally and securely and following regulations in the U.S. And I also heard that sometimes they use Coinbase as their custodial service as well. So that makes me rest a little easier. But again, not your keys, not your coin. Just take caution with this, please, because you never know what's going to happen. And just like a run on the bank, if you go in there asking for $10,000 or $100,000 and so does somebody else and so does somebody else, they're not going to have the cash for this. Will the crypto custodial company have their Bitcoin for this? The last question we have today is from Amy from Norway. And she asks this. So India might ban crypto, mining, trading, or even possessing. 
Everyone says that it's likely not going to happen, but what if? What if 1.3 billion people were just shut off? How would this affect the crypto world? And my opinion on this is that it's going to be a short term down. Number won't go up for a little bit. Number will go down. People will try to liquidate their Bitcoin or pull it off exchanges and so on and so forth. So we'll see the market panic. But that's only for the short term. The thing is, is that India wants cryptocurrency. If I recall a headline that I just glossed over the other day, so take this with a grain of salt. India recorded record high crypto trading volumes the past couple of days. And that was after this ban, in air quotes, was announced. So people want it. The thing is, when people want something, they're going to find a way to get it. So fine, you make it illegal. What are you going to do? Search everybody's houses? You shut down exchanges, off-ramps, and on-ramps. And what people are going to do is you're going to have an underground market of Bitcoiners or cryptocurrency people or DeFi that's going to start selling this product that people want. And they're going to do it as a premium. It's going to be great business. If Bitcoin's selling for, let's say, $60,000, they're going to sell you one Bitcoin for $65,000, $80,000. Why? Because people are wanting it and people can make a business off of it selling it for a premium. And you're going to see that people will still buy, hodl, and trade cryptocurrencies. The thing is, is I am not worried about it. Yes, it's going to suck if it happens. Yes, we're going to see number go down. Yes, we're going to see everybody panic. Yes, we're going to see CNBC and CNN and uh, Squawk Box and, and Kramer and all these other money people start saying Bitcoin is done. Yes, we're going to see that. And yes, it's going to hurt. And yes, it's going to suck. And yes, the skeptics are going to wag their finger saying, I told you so, but then it'll be okay. So long story short is it could happen. Yes, they could get cut off. But they're not going to get cut off because people want that product. And if people want a product, they're going to get the product because there's good business in finding a ways to get people that product. And yes, it's going to suck at the short term, but in the medium to long term, it's not going to even make a difference. And now to those crypto prices. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. And I'm recording this at 11.40 Eastern Standard Time. Bitcoin is in the number one spot at $59,055, up 2% from yesterday. Number two spot is Ethereum at $1,820, up 1.6%, while Binance is in the number three spot at $267.38, up a percent from yesterday. Cardano is at the number four spot at $1.28, down 10% in 24. Tether number five and Polkadot at $38.37 in the number six spot, up 6.2% from yesterday. Total market cap, we're at $1.8 trillion with a BTC dominance of 60.6%. And in our conversation today, we're going to tell you how to own a Bitcoin ATM, how to buy it, how much you can make, where to put it, and so much more. We're talking to the head of sales of CoinSource. Even though we're talking to a specific company for this episode, we at Decrypt don't have any kind of endorsement or relationship with them. We're just asking them how to do it. Just for the information, there are many companies out there, not just this one. But we're asking this one, how to get your own Bitcoin ATM. Enjoy. Derek, how you doing? Welcome to the show. Hey, Matt. Thanks for having me. 100% Bitcoin ATMs. You know what? This has always been something that I was very personally curious about, like a little maybe side hustle, side business. I think you're going to tell us and the listeners how maybe to get involved. First, what's the first step to getting their own Bitcoin ATM or kiosk? Very easy steps. Uh, first process, I would say, is to go to coinsource.net. We actually have a web form that says own your own Bitcoin ATM network. And you fill out some basic information and someone from our sales team reaches out and uh, uh, sets a conversation schedule for us. And uh, we kind of go from there. It's a very easy turnkey white glove process throughout the entire process as well. 
Excellent. So, okay. So I go to the form, then what do I do? What am I supposed to get? Am I actually getting a physical machine? Am I getting like, oh, it's a rental, a lease? And how much does that cost? What's like the whole logistics around it? Does it get delivered to me? And then I put it somewhere? So what's pretty neat about that is uh, we've got a lot of different options that really are very customer centric as far as that goes. Uh, you would be purchasing the kiosk from CoinSource. Uh, we offer not only location procurement services that say if you don't have a, your own location, but something that's also really exciting about us is that once we sign on uh, you on as a client, we actually do run a complimentary location analysis on even if you do have your own network or say you want to, you're thinking about putting a kiosk in maybe your neighborhood or you have family three states away and you kind of want it closer to them, we can run that kind of complimentary analysis for you. And the cost of the kiosks are actually extremely low these days. The first Bitcoin ATM, I believe, was around 35 thousand dollars back in the day and, yeah i know so uh now we've gotten down in the six thousand dollar range and sixty five hundred dollar okay. range and, and so it's very very affordable for really anybody to come on in using out uh, as a sub agent or an under agent if you will of our licenses and they can hop right in and not go through the whole rigmarole of establishing their own kyc aml program hiring a chief compliance officer you know 100 positively identifying the id of the customers that are using the machines we take care of all of that cash logistics armored car banking marketing customer support this truly is a turnkey model for really anybody to own their own bitcoin ATM network okay so that's pretty interesting and i i but you said something that i need to clarify you said anywhere from 600 to 6000 that's a big range for an atm um what, what's the difference is there is it like flashier ones more bling ones like bigger oh, no, screens no, no. Yeah, no, no my, I believe I said 6,000 to 6,500 around that range. Oh, okay, okay. So they're all basically standard then. It's like, this is the machine you get. Correct. Yeah. It's, uh, we, uh, we use an exclusive manufacturer, Gen Mega, for our universal kiosks. Fantastic manufacturer. And just we just love the product that they've got. And um, we are able to sell and ship the machines either directly. I know you asked that, you know, can it come to your house? And you set it up. Well, we can drop ship it at a location, say that you already have. Or if you have a warehouse, say you're an independent sales operator, like a traditional ATM owner, for example, and you have a whole network of not only regular ATMs, but a couple of warehouses too, we can always send it there. It doesn't matter to us. We just want to make sure that the client gets exactly what they wanted. All right. We find a location. I put $6,000. I get my ATM over there. That's, that location is not working. We move it somewhere else. Can do? Not only can you do that, but I'll tell you that um, with four, uh, now that we're in the four digit range, as far as how many kiosks we've got in 48 states, keep in mind, we're also the only Bitcoin ATM operator that's got national banking. Banking is probably one of the most hardest and difficult barriers to entry as far as getting into this sphere. And we've got that taken care of uh, because of how compliance centric we are, both on a state federal level. And as far as, you know, our customers know that they get rewarded by, they verify their ID with us, they get the lowest rates in the industry. Instead of you get rewarded with not having to provide your ID and now you're paying traditional money laundering rates with some other operators. So it goes into that aspect as well. Now I just got to go through the op order operations. I signed up, we talked, I, I, I bought the big Bitcoin ATM, I put it in location. People start using it. How am I getting it paid? Do I just put in my Bitcoin wallet address and you guys send me Bitcoin? Do you guys send me a stable coin? Do you guys send me cash? Do you fund it ACH? What's the process? So there's a number of different ways, not only that you can pay for a kiosk, obviously as a Bitcoin ATM company, uh, we wanted to make sure that we accept Bitcoin as You're well. You're not getting my Bitcoin. 
<laughs> yeah, hold on for dear life, right? Um, uh, no, so we, we do accept Bitcoin. We can do ACH. Uh, we can pay in Bitcoin. We can pay in ACH. Uh, uh, really a lot of different options. Again, we built this model around being extremely customer centric to make sure that it's exactly what you want, including an a la carte menu. So uh, touching back on the relocation thing, even that uh, with a fleet of over a thousand kiosks now in 48 states, we've got less than an 8% relocation ratio. Um, our, our location analysis process with all the different KPIs that we use goes deeper than any other operator even imagines as far as how we determine a successful location or not. It's not just the low hanging fruit. It's not throwing darts at a board. There's a lot of data behind what we do. That's excellent. So actually I was talking about how do I get paid? You said I can pay in Bitcoin, but I'm talking about like, how do I get paid? I, people are buying Bitcoin from my ATM. I have it in like, I don't know, it, it was called a 7-Eleven and I want to make, start making my ROI and you guys are paying me in cash, ACH yeah. or Bitcoin or stablecoin. ACH. Gotcha. So I'm just making straight cash. And so I have that $6,000 investment. What is the normal average time for me to make that money make that money back? What's my average return timeline of investment? Well, so uh, typically in just general business, you're looking at any attractive ROI is under two years, right? Um, and I can definitely tell you that it is uh, less than half of that with what our model uh, is as far as- wow. What, what your average uh, monthly volume does, what we've seen on a national level with how big our network is. We were really able to take out all the outlier um, machines and really come down to a very conservative, very obtainable average monthly volume that um, we can definitely have confidence saying to our clients that you should have your uh, complete your ROI uh, in around a year or less. Okay, so I just want to wrap this up again. Where would somebody? Because I, again, this is a cool little side hustle thing. If somebody has six grand laying around and they really want to support the network or support Bitcoin and get people to buy Bitcoin and onboard easy into Bitcoin, this could be a pretty cool thing. I'm, I, again, me, I just want to make sure that everybody knows, the listeners knows that I'm not getting paid for this. We're not, you know, working as ads or sales or whatever like this. I'm just doing this because I'm curious myself. Can you tell me what's the process again, step-by-step? Step? Yeah, very easy. Go to coinsource.net, click on the tab that says own your own Bitcoin ATM network. Um, myself or one of my sales team will uh, reach out to that uh, to you and schedule a time to have a conversation. And we really walk you through the whole process. We give you your options of not only what kind of kiosk you want, we give you advice and, and kind of direction on even the location agreements. Say you don't have a location, you want us to procure that for you and use that service. We can negotiate the uh, the rent prices and the whole structure with the store owners. And so make sure that you're not paying too much money. Uh, the store owner's very happy because obviously without their brick and mortar business, we wouldn't have a business. And it's all there that we walk you through the whole process. We get you taken care of as far as the compliance goes, the bank goes. We have all that covered. You don't have to worry about that. It's It really is a passive income model. As a matter of fact, we've got a Hollywood actor in California who uh, owns a, a fleet of Bitcoin ATMs from us as a client, and they're not even anywhere near where he lives. He's never even touched one of his own machines. He just loves the business model so much that he just gets his passive monthly income from owning a fleet of Bitcoin ATMs, and he's never even touched one that he owns. So it's and, that easy. And that's super interesting. Derek Muni, head of sales of CoinSource, thank you very much for coming on and explaining how to own your own Bitcoin ATM. Thanks for having me, Matt. And in other news. Robinhood CEO says he's going to make a crypto wallet as fast as possible. He said people are bugging him on social media. So in turn, he's bugging his crypto team and his software engineers. And he's going to say he's going to try to get it done as fast as possible. Now, in this article, there's a couple things I can't find. I can't find how this wallet's going to be used. Are you going to be able to control your private keys? Can you transfer the crypto out that you buy on Robinhood to different wallets? Can you transfer crypto in? 
it's just unclear how this wallet's gonna be used. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing is, again, like we said earlier in this episode, not your keys, not your coins. If you buy crypto on Robinhood, it's not your crypto. It's kind of like an IOU. They have your crypto or they have like, I don't even know if they have crypto. <laughs> you're just buying Bitcoin at a certain price and you're keeping it Robinhood until you sell it at a certain price. So what does this wallet really mean? I am not too sure, but the good thing is he's thinking about making one. We're just gonna have to see how it functions. AMD makes GPUs, and those GPUs are used to mine Ethereum, and they say that they have no plans to restrict Ethereum mining on its graphics cards. However, they said that their GPU's architecture will be optimized for gamers. So if you want an AMD GPU to mine Ethereum, maybe it won't be the most efficient method. They're going to be making it for gamers. And finally, Fed Chair Jerome Powell today indicated that CBDCs or central bank digital currencies won't replace cash, but they will coexist. Jerome Powell's on the record for saying, The COVID crisis has brought into even sharper focus the need to address the limitations of our current arrangements for cross-border payments. The Fed is looking heavily into stablecoins and examining other countries' work on CBCDs, but they haven't really revealed much about how they're going to do CBDCs themselves. But they're looking very carefully into it. We're going to have to wait and see, and see how the digital dollar starts to take shape. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Decrypt Daily. I'll be back tomorrow for weekend updates. Until then, please like, subscribe, share, and leave a comment wherever you're listening to this podcast. Until tomorrow, happy hodling, everyone. Oh, and happy weekend.